Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the show that is the greatest show on earth, that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode, where tonight we're going to be discussing the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, House, from 1985, directed by Steve Miner. But before we get to that, as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on tonight? What is going on, indeed? Welcoming you to this new episode. Can't wait to enter the house. We're also joined by the psychotic Simeon himself, the Prince of Amor's Day. Yes, Mad Monkey. Get funky with it, baby. <laughs> yes, this is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we bring you the best goddamn horror podcast there is in all of the cyberverse. So that's right. Listen at home, listen in your car, listen in public, listen often. But remember, if you do it, we're talking terror in public. Do it like we do, and always do it with a mask on. All right. <laughs> Monkey and always of course, tonight. Oh, <laughs> and of course, we're joined by the astoundingly astute <laughs> demonic Dean himself. Welcome back to the show, Dean. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I don't, I don't wear masks. I just want to say. And okay. um, that's your right. There you have it. Your body, your choice. Mm-hmm. Good evening, say. Good night, everybody. <laughs> That's the end of our show. Did anybody here try That's next a... mask yet? No, no, well, sadly, well, I have not. Well, well, you mean like you mean a Halloween mask? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. I mean, like you know, our, our new our new norm here in the United States, where everybody's got to wear a mask all the time. You know, I mean, there's four of us here. At least one of us have had to try to to, to, to fuck with the mask on. I mean, I've cracked it with one on. Does that count? <laughs> I mean, King might have been wanking one off with the mask on. You know. I just said I did. Yeah, I, I didn't no, I mean, you know. He uses his own mask as, 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 a, as a catcher. <laughs> That's right. I got one on the balls and, you know, one on the face. It's great. It works. I, I have to wear one 10 hours a day while I'm at work. I, I'm not wearing it at home at all. Sorry, cool. <laughs> Man, nobody wants to play doctor and nurse with their loved ones. Dean, how about you? I, I take that as a big hard no, huh? Negative. <laughs> I've got my big rebreather mask. You know, we use that from time to time, so it's not like it's all that different than, than the norm here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've used a screen mask once and a Michael Myers mask. I mean, that counts. Just not a, Who not was a, the dude? Not a, oh, his name was Steve. I picked him up late night of the bar. I mean, he was pretty handsome. You know, I was his beard for a while. Oh, I miss that guy sometimes. I had a great reach around. <laughs> And here comes the police to take you away, King. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Here they come again. Jesus. 
Go, 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 go. She's not allowed anymore. He's, he's, in, he's in Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, scream mask and Michael Myers mask. It's kind of fun, kind of hot. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've done it like that. Not ashamed to admit it in my younger days. <laughs> um, but before we kick off the show and, and do horror news and things like that, there's two things I wanted to bring up, and that's people that have passed, unfortunately. One of them being Carl Reiner, uh, who just passed away at the age of 98. And uh, for folks at home uh, that know me, I'm a huge fan of Summer School. Probably one of the greatest movies I'd ever seen back when I was younger. Even now, when I'm in a bad mood or I'm depressed, I put that movie on, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know he did Summer Rental and a ton of other movies. But Summer School, I think, is the highlight uh, from you know, Carl Reiner. Oh, absolutely, Chainsaw. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> with my guy back in the day. With, I don't know about uh, Ghoul and Dean, you know, with Carl Reiner and all the other films that he's done better than Summer School that you might like. Of course, I mean, look, I, I mean, I Summer film, School is... I'm going to give this to the okay. Dean because the Dean is the fucking man when it comes to this shit, so take it away, bro. <laughs> to, to what shit? <laughs> to to this kind of... This kind of thing, yes. It's definitely your wheelhouse, man. So hit it up. All right, if you say so. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> summer school is just, I mean, it's, it's fucking, it's one of the best of the 80s. And it was, it's one of those, those films from the 80s that, I mean, had, uh, you know, that the, the, the horror film-loving characters in, in Chainsaw and Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a great, fun uh, movie that you know I did happen to catch um, probably six months to a year ago for the first time in a long time, and it's just delightful. It completely holds up. Uh, you know, Mark Harmon is great. Um, Carl Reiner is actually uh, appears in the film. Uh, he plays the teacher in the beginning of the That's film right. who wins who wins the lottery and quits, uh, which which oh. causes the <laughs> the job opening uh, that Mark Harmon. Uh, has to get, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just wonderful. I just I absolutely love summer school. I adore it. And uh, something I actually was watching maybe uh, two ish weeks ago. Uh, I mean, you mentioned summer rental. It's another one that I just absolutely love. Uh, oh yeah, just a just a just a great movie. Growing up in my house, uh, you know, being a little kid in the early eighties and you know, turning 10 essentially halfway through the 80s. Like, you know, John Candy was a comedic figure, one of many that loomed large over my uh, young movie-watching self. And, and you know, those, those, those are just some, some, some greats. Yeah, Carrie Green. Carrie Green. Carrie Green. So hot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. She, she, had that, she hit that, uh, kind of hit that mark in the mid-80s where she was in, like, a few films in a row. Uh, that are are very much thought of uh, summer school. Uh, not summer school. I mean uh, summer rental and the Goonies and Lucas and uh, I think it's called Two for the Road or Three for the Road with Charlie Sheen and uh, yeah, I think the dude one. that was Cameron. I think the dude that was Cameron and Ferris Bueller is in that. And um, mm-hmm. but anyway, that has nothing to do with Car Rider. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean just just great stuff there from Car Rider. So a, com- a comedic dude. comedic legend. So one of the few times I've ever heard your dad actually talk about like a girl in any way, other than your mom, of course. Uh, 
uh, Dean was actually bringing up Carrie, Carrie Green, Green one time, in which he was like, that girl has got the greatest ass on her. There's a stretch of movies where her ass is just so beautiful. Dude, it was the funniest fucking thing I think I've ever heard come out of your dad's mouth, man. It's so classic. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So uh, great outdoors versus summer rental. Where do you? Where are you with that, uh, Dean? Because me, I got to go great outdoors. Ooh, that's a that's a tough one, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. I let, let's maybe revisit this at the end. I might need to let that one marinate a little bit. That's definitely that's in that like category of films that's like from the same time, yeah. and the same era, and like the same energy. Um, yeah. That's a that's a good question. That's a really good question. And I I saw I actually I saw both of those in the movie theater, uh both Summer Rental and uh The Great Outdoors. Uh but that, that's okay. a, that's an that's an excellent question. I actually uh last summer uh, we were going to do a little bit of camping in Yosemite and getting uh getting a camping space in Yosemite is like next to impossible. It's a whole procedure that you have to start 6 months out and sit at your computer at like a certain time like it's a whole thing but anyway we were able to get a spot for two days but we wanted for two nights but we wanted our trip to be longer than that and we were able to find a camp campsite right outside of yosemite at bass lake which is where the great outdoors was filmed so like everything every everywhere you go at in around bass lake like you go in the bar and there's like great outdoors posters and yeah so uh we camped all around the bass lake like we got a boat and went on the water like where like the jet ski scene is like it, it's all right there, right outside of Yosemite, California. <laughs> That's that awesome, pretty dude. Killer. <laughs> yeah, that is very killer. Uh, so, yeah, the other one I wanted to, to say about people who passed, uh, Danny Hicks, uh, just the other day, uh, from Evil Dead 2 and Intruder, among other films, uh, recently passed away. He had made the announcement earlier this month that he was diagnosed with stage 4 uh, cancer and was given one to three years to live, but unfortunately he didn't get to reach any mark. Uh, this was taken pretty quickly. And it's kind of sad because I... Was a fan of Danny Hicks on the convention circuit as well as uh, you know his films like Evil Dead 2 and Intruder. I think Intruder is one of his highlights as uh, that character, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen Intruder, but it, it's one to check out. It's fun. So did you and the Ghoul get to meet him in the con circuit? Uh, I wasn't with the Ghoul when I met him. No, I mean this was uh, I was like a senior after I graduated high school. Actually, I went to a con with a uh, friend Eric and his girlfriend, and he was at that one, so I met him briefly, but. I didn't get a picture with him or an autograph. I just saw him in passing, and I was like, "Fucking Evil Dead 2. <laughs> That's him right there. Like he was in Evil Dead Two. Work of Bruce. <laughs> you know, kind of enamored being my first con, you know, and getting to see Danny Hicks walking around. Um, but it's fun. But again, you know, kind of a sad loss. You know, I wanted to see if he could actually beat this thing, but didn't quite make it. So don't really want to start to show up with such a bummer. But I wanted to get that out of the way before we get into the more fun stuff like horror news uh, with the Dean. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't segue. have any news items this evening. It's a, it's a okay, so we're just going to... Okay, right, in that case... House. All right, on the, on the Talking so, Terror page... No, I'm, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> I know. A whole list. Well, you know, you're uh, so, uh, starting it off, uh, you know, not really uh, inside of our genre here, but I did see today that Comedy Central has uh, served up a two-season order uh, to Mike Judge for a Beavis and Butthead revival series uh, that is going to debut on Comedy Central sometime next year. I'm in. 
Beavis and Butthead, the you know, classic characters of the nineties. Uh, I found yeah. I, f- I find it curious because, you know, obviously the popularity of Beavis and Butthead in the nineties can't be, uh, you know, understated. It was it was humongous, but mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if if you all think back and remember, uh, Judge tried to bring it back with MTV in two thousand eleven. Uh, yes, and, it, and it lasted it lasted like barely two months and like disappeared, uh, you know, without a trace uh, was not uh, successful, did not capture the audience the way, uh, you know, it once did. I remember tuning in for like the first episode, like so excited and like never watched it again. Like I was just like, all right, cool. Like I'm curious to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of promotion Comedy Central gives it? I'm really curious to see if it if it takes if it's if it's going to be good enough because the revi- the 2011 revival didn't work in my opinion. So uh, like it's a little bit of exciting news because I love those characters, but we'll see we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, but a big part of the original run though was also them cracking on the music videos of the time, and when you go yeah. back and they do the reruns and stuff, they don't have the rights to those videos anymore so big parts of those shows that we really enjoyed with them cracking and enjoying the hell out of the music videos is gone That's yeah but they but in the, in the 2011 version they were they were watching current music videos of that time like i don't go back and watch yeah, i don't go were. back and i don't go back and like watch old episodes of it i'm just i'm just curious as to like if in like a new version of this show is this something that's going to like capture anyone's imagination? If it's something that's going to be successful, Comedy Central's banking on it. They ordered up two seasons. So yeah, that's pretty big. They already ordered know, two gonna, seasons of it. Are they going to have them watch YouTube videos or something? Like that's like the whole big thing that I know kids have been doing for the last couple of years on, like you know YouTube and TikTok and shit like that. You got like reaction videos and shit. So is that the whole idea? I mean, I'm I'm coming from the area of being a non-fan of Beavis and Butthead. I didn't like it in the mm-hmm. 90s. I found them to be annoying and fucking irritating characters. And to make it even worse, they were annoying, irritating characters that everybody in the fucking world <laughs> had to start emulating, okay? There was some fucking video that I remember watching not too long ago, which, which talks about like the dudes, you know, trying to date and the impressions that they do. And, you know, guys always tend to go to like Borat and shit like that. You know, these are, these are just Typical guy fucking impression. It's a nice. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> yeah, Borat was one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, there's Austin Powers is another one that jumps out. Uh, and then yes. there was like oh, a yeah. there was like a, a there was a two year stretch uh, where my brother spoke like Ron Burgundy for two straight years. So, um... so there you go. So again, in the '90s, it was fucking Beavis and Butthead, and you know everybody and their mothers seems to think they all have friends that like looked like Beavis and Butthead. They always were reminded us of like one or two fucking people that we know. I I, I could tell I can name two people that I know that remind me of Beavis and Butthead. One is it the two people that Nana. I'm thinking of? No, because the one I have is Bannon. Um, is, is the one's nickname, and the other one, unfortunately, you know, it was more about his look was that of Beavis, um, and that was, uh, he passed away uh, in, a, uh, in a traffic accident uh, when we were still in high school. So I, I still want to name any names. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, no. Okay, what else you got, Dean? Look at you, like, just shutting down the, the ghoul getting all emotional. 
So we're moving the on. Monkey, the monkey's <laughs> fucking upset. The monkey's upset, okay, because he's like a super fan. He loves Beavis and Butthead. Actually, I'm, I'm with you. I, I I never really really got into it. Um, my ex-wife really enjoyed the hell out of it, so I got stuck trying to make out with her while Beavis and Butthead was going on. But yeah, I, hated it like I was one of those people that <laughs> never really could get into it. Yeah, right, I, I was a fan. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. The 2000, uh, 2011 remake was kind of fun because they did the reality shows that weren't on TV, like Teen Mom and all the uh, shit that's on there. So, like the girl said, I would imagine if they're going to put it on Comedy Central, it's got to be like YouTube videos and TikTok. Because Comedy Central wasn't known for music videos or reality shows, really. So, I, would, I think it's kind of fun if they bring it up into the, the new age of those uh, quick things like Vine or TikTok or uh, YouTube. Uh, right, then. I don't know. Man. I got. I gotta say real right. quick, a happy birthday to a good friend of mine, uh, AJ. He's out there. He's uh, you know, he, he plays for the other team. He likes to lay with men and stuff like that. But he is. He's a good dude. And uh, happy birthday, AJ. Have fun with that. Happy birthday, Jay. <laughs> so, moving on with our Get news. that dick, baby. It's your birthday. That's, that's some horror news, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's yeah, next? Come on, right, what's next? Shit. Entertain us. <laughs> uh, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark Theater Chains have all now pushed back their reopening uh, as cases of uh, COVID-19 continue to climb all across the land. Uh, AMC... What's that? Uh, what? <laughs> What's that? What's this COVID-19 the, that you're talking about? It's the, the coronavirus. Oh. <laughs> no, it doesn't me. exist. We, we, we've been told if we stop testing, it'll go away. So. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I've been told from yeah. the leader... Of our country, uh, that the scientific name of this uh, virus is the Kung flu. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the leader of our nation. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Cinemark, and Cinemark and Regal have said due to uh, the climbing cases, but AMC claims that they have shifted their opening back due to all of the scheduling changes. Uh, with all the different films that are shuffling around their uh, release dates right now. I believe that. So it's going to be an even longer wait if you're willing to go into an enclosed space with a bunch of other humans uh, that you don't know. Hell no. (laughs) I, I for one, will will not be doing so. Yeah, no, I'll go ahead and wait. It's fine. I like what they're doing now with the the digital and drive-ins. I think that's fun. Keep it going. If I can watch a movie from home, great. I mean, I'm not going to pay $20 if I don't want to see it, but if it's a movie I really want to see, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll pay for it. Watch it from the comfort of my own home. I don't have to be around anybody. I hate people anyway. It's better for me. Yeah, I, I finally bit Speaking the of drive-ins. I, I did rent one for $20, uh, you know, even though I, know I said that I wouldn't. I did it for the Ghoul Gal's birthday, the which... Was also this. Uh, <laughs> you take that fucking cookie. Uh, was also this past, past uh, week. Um, what the hell was it? It's a recent Kevin Bacon flick. Uh, you should have left. Oh, should have left. Oh, yeah. Yeah, should have yeah. left. <laughs> yeah. So I want to see that was one. Was it too, any? So. 
did you did you kids like it? it? I passed I passed out. Um the, the cool <laughs> girl enjoyed it. Um you know, like I said, it was it was a birthday gift, so I can't talk too bad about the movie. It wasn't terrible. It just I don't know. It's one of those where it's elevated horror, man. It's so uh, no. It's so I don't even know the term. Oh no, bringing it back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Dean, you were saying something about drive-ins. Yes, speaking of drive-ins, starting today, uh, the original Ghostbusters is going to be shown in uh, drive-ins across the country. Uh, It's going to have a theatrical run. So, uh, if you wanted to see that in that fashion, then get a car, and uh, go check it out. <laughs> a dri- a driver's license, one. preferably. Yeah. You know, know how to use it. <laughs> Need a working radio. There's just I'll been so much if... talk about Ghostbusters. And, yeah, uh, I wonder if they're giving this a push. Uh, oh, sorry, you know, Dean. Uh, with the news that the Ghostbusters Afterlife has been pushed back to the spring of 2021, uh, that, uh, you know, I guess keeping... The, just the Ghostbusters name uh, out there. Uh, this is a good plan to do that. Plus, drive-ins, you know, are, are the ones that are doing business in the in the theater realm these days. Uh, you know, I would imagine that studios and theaters working together. Uh, I would imagine putting all kinds of older, super popular films back into the theaters would be a good strategy to get people to consider coming out. Uh, you know, from when theaters go ahead and open uh, hesitantly, uh, and then as they continue to expand their their seating, and if things finally cool down, like you know, you're gonna need to even if when it's safe, I think people are still gonna be hesitant to you know be sitting in a in a crowded room with people, even if things are kind of on the mend. So maybe putting classic movies back out there uh, as a way to get people excited and go to the theater again. Somebody's too yeah, close to their microphone, idea. man. Back up, readjust, take a deep breath, and stop rubbing it on your face. Who's rubbing their microphone on their face? Either that or they're rubbing it on their fucking pubes, man. You know, the fucking old, uh, the whole phone sex trick back in the day, you know? Oh, yeah, baby, I'm touching my pussy right now. You want me to rub my phone on it? Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're all busting a nut. <laughs> having a flashback. We're all busting a nut. How many? How many guys were you on the phone with? You're all busting a nut. <laughs> Fucking whole, whole, whole lot of me. You know, all at the same time. Twenty-two of Happened my personalities. Happy birthday, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a great idea. Uh, that what the dean was saying is that put these classic movies uh, in the theater, since we're not going to be getting them until next year anyway. Why not replay some classics to get people back in? But then again, who knows if people are going to want to sit in the theater you know, next to anybody, you know, especially in this well, time they, when they're expecting doing, a resurgence. Well, I mean, you're saying it like this is like a new thing. They've been doing this kind of stuff for a while now. Prior to Dr. Yeah, Steve coming yeah. back, they brought back The Shining, remastered. It was a 4K and all that. And they put that in theaters. You know, you get those special events. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get. But... But you get that, but that's like a special event thing. It's like, oh, here's Dr. Sleep, and, you know, we're going to try to it's – a, it's a whole modern audience. Here's an opportunity to see its predecessor on the big screen. Something like that mm. makes complete and total sense. Mm. 
And yes, there 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 has been uh, limited theatrical runs for for classic movies over the time. But I would imagine like a like more so like a, as a targeted strategy specifically uh, to get people to come out of their house, like Operation, get people in the theater. Um, you know, there's a there's countless films that I can think of that I would love the opportunity to either a see on the big screen again or b see in the big screen that I was either too young or missed for whatever reason. Um, you know, I'm not going to the movies anytime soon, but when it's like safe, like the opportunity to go see something that I truly love might outweigh the opportunity to go see something new. I I, I don't know. I don't. But I think that. Uh, I, I think it would be a smart move and a smart way for theaters to really try to get people back in the seats. Because, you know, uh, just like every other industry, you know, even though the film industry is a billion-dollar industry, everyone is hemorrhaging money and not making any money. And they're going to need to make some money. And, you know, theaters – I'm sorry, studios that own their classic catalog, you know, there's really no – not much in the way of overhead versus spending the money – on a big film and, and hope that it sells a lot of tickets. Like you already own these and you should be trotting them out and, and making some money on them. That's, that's yes, but cool. do they have to retouch them? Are the theaters capable of projecting them? You know, you have all those things like Mahoning specifically, uh, the drive-in over in Pennsylvania that we always visit specifically only shows 35 millimeter films. Like, they are adamant about that. They will not break that at all. They are not going digital. They are not showing new films. They are sticking with the strategy that has not only been working for the last couple of years in building up steam, but has now exploded. They have had sellout after sellout after sellout, and I just keep seeing the news every week on Facebook, and it just it makes my heart so happy because we've been enjoying this place for so many years now to know that, like, it's just finally getting it too. That being said, I don't know if I agree with if studios put these films in the movie theaters, like trying to do a wider release, is it going to work? Like when I went to see The Shining, there might have been 10 people in the theater, you know, because guess what? Everybody either owns it in some form, has it digitally, has it on DVD, has it on Blu-ray. Why are you going to go through the bother of everything that you have to go through to go see something you already own in the theater. Now, people like you and me, sure, we might run out and go to do that. But yeah, but some, you know, something like that for as popular as popular as The Shining is, uh, you know, there's still you know not a a wide appeal for that. You know, like a different. Right. I mean, for example, like would you go out for the opportunity to see Jaws on the big screen? I've had the opportunity to see Jaws on the big screen, and I haven't. You know what? I own Jaws, and I've seen it so many times. Fine. Fine. (laughs) Good for you. So there. You know, plus, a lot of times, because of ownerships and rights things and stuff like that, they do these limited runs, and sometimes those ticket prices are higher because it's got to go through some kind of fucking event thing as opposed to simply just getting released to whatever theater chain. Because and I'm sure in yeah, that like case, Fathom. the theater chain themselves, exactly, Fathom events and shit like that, because the theater chain doesn't want to take on the responsibility of that, so they have to get money from somewhere else in order to do it. Uh the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot had to go through that. They uh, they ended up crowdfunding and all these other things. So, yeah, well, you know, yeah. in some cases, like I'm cool with that, and I can only speak for myself, of course. But a few a few years ago, 
on Halloween, uh, local, I don't know if it was wide or if it was local to here, uh, but we went and, and had, I got an opportunity to, to, and I talked about this on the show, but to see Little Shop of Horrors in, on the big screen. And I, that's another one that I mm-hmm. saw uh, in the theater on its release when I was a kid mm-hmm. because uh, the actress Ellen Green, who played Audrey, uh, my mom grew up with and went to summer camp with. So my mom was like, oh, my God, my oh, old friend is in the movie. So we like went to, cool. we, we went to see it because my mom knew the, the person. And, uh, you know, as, as one, you know, that's a favorite of mine when I saw that I was playing in the theater. You know, my, my ticket price might have been like, I don't know, 15 or 16 bucks or what, you know, because it was, I think it might have been like a fathom or something like that. But, you know, so mm-hmm. a situation like that was like wor- totally worth it to me. Well, and again, I've seen Fathom events. I've gone to see Fathom events. I don't have a problem with that setup. I'm just saying that that alone, though, will detract people already. You know, ticket prices, even like, like, again, having the A-list all this time, if there's one thing that I've realized, even movies that we see as the movies that are making a lot of money in theaters, you'll go to the theater and there won't be that many people in the theaters. You know, certain movie theaters are the ones that are making these big revenues. Elsewhere, you know, people trickle in, people trickle out. Um, yeah, but a lot of times, you know, and I know this because you say it to me when you're heading in or some shit, like a lot of times you're going with your AMC pass like on a slow work day on like a Tuesday at like 2 p.m., you know, like you're not going to have yeah. a, a huge crowd of people at that time. But I've also gone on Fridays and weekends for bigger releases or Thursdays for there when they would do opening nights, like for first, first night movies. And it just doesn't get that same, that crowd capacity anymore. It's weird. Like, I think about it back in, like, the 90s when we were teenagers and we would hit the Metroplex mm-hmm. over there uh, by the mall. And it would be yeah. completely packed. People standing outside, people standing inside, just everybody gravitating and hanging out and just doing their thing. There's been no point, no theater that I have been to besides, again, the Mahoning thing, but that's because that's what all of that is about. The, the social aspect right. of it is, is a huge but part of that. Regular theater, you have to remember, the closest I've had was the fucking guy with me at Rambo, okay? Some rando that happened to be sitting next to me. <laughs> you have to remember, though, you have to take into account, too, though, in those days, like... Everyone wanted to see a movie, and everyone was showing up, like, hoping to get a ticket. Like, these days, mm-hmm. like, majority of people get their tickets in advance. Like, it's not – most theaters don't even have walk-up sales anymore. Like, you have to get your tickets in advance. Uh, you know, they – and I know, Ghoul, and you and I were talking about it at some point. It's only been, you know, maybe a year or so ago that my small little local theater that I walked to from my house uh, instituted, like, the, 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 the selecting your seat – policy where you like get you choose your seat versus just yeah, having your ticket seat. in advance so like mass crowds are not just showing up at the theater anymore hoping to get a ticket and waiting online and, and so on and so forth and hoping that it's not, well, not sold just, out also but not just that you got people that are reserving their seats well people like to sit in specific locations well hey why am i going to sit on the edge when if i just wait another day or so i can get the seats that i want to get so in the end you get more people yeah. picking the seats that they want which fills that theater less I can say that the last what? time I was in an actual movie theater that was completely full was Endgame, and that was because that was weekend of release. Right. That was at 11 yeah, o'clock the last in the morning actually, on Sunday. The last time I was in a theater that was completely full, and we, we got the last two seats on the selector uh, before we went over uh, in, in our little local theater, uh, was the I, I, did, I had to do a solid and go, but it was for the Downton Abbey movie. That shit was mm-hmm. packed. Every, every seat, every ticket was sold. And you talk about that Rambo 
that Rambo guy, uh, I can't remember, and I know I told you about this, school, and I might have talked about it on the show, but, like, because in my local theater, like, you just go on the website and you pick your seat. Whatever I was going to see, I was, like, going to be, like, the the only person in there. Like, I, you know, I always choose, like, three quarters of the way back in the center, and uh, that's my preferred location. And, uh, you know, so I'm sitting there, and maybe, like, a couple comes in, and they're, like, further up a little bit to the left. And uh, someone, some fucking random, picked the fucking seat right fucking next to me. Um, That's what happened to me. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Hey, there was an open was like, seat next to me. Open fucking seat. Not only did he pick the seat next to me, he picked the love seat next to me. Like, if you lifted the arm, <laughs> the two of us could fucking cuddle, okay? Like, what the fuck? That's dude? what I'm There's talking about. Like, what the to fuck? My left like, when, to my right. When I know, like, when I bought the ticket, like, I bought the ticket. When I bought my ticket, I, I was the I was the what, first what ticket when you sold. The ticket? I I I was the first ticket sold. There was no other ticket sold yet, so I know that I didn't select the ticket next to someone. Someone else looked at the fucking theater seats mm-hmm. and like chose that seat where there was someone already <laughs> sitting. <laughs> yep. I don't it's remember. Like I can't remember what. Rules, what man. That's how I look at it. You know, like, fuck that, dude. If there's somebody standing there, if there's somebody standing there taking a leak and there's open fucking stalls, you go to the first motherfucking stall from that person. Yeah. And that is just the rules. That is how that works. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely not (laughs) to the fucking one next next door. Um, If it's a packed theater, that's one thing. But if it's an empty fucking theater, sit fucking somewhere else. (laughs) Can't remember what it was. It might have been us. It might have been us. Um... I don't remember what it might have been us, them. The, for some, or a quiet oh, movie. movie. Oh. It, was, it was one of those movies. <laughs> yeah, um, they just want a companionship. Uh, so I had talked previously on the show about how uh, there's going to be a George Romero, uh, the Living Dead book, uh, which is coming yep. out. That is going to be released uh, August 4th. Uh, it's been announced that there is going to be an unabridged 18-hour audio book. Uh, that is going to be narrated uh, by two people. Uh, one is Bruce Davison, who comes in from outside of the Romero world, and uh, but has some genre credits to his name. He'll be doing some of the narration, and uh, as well uh, as uh, Laurie Cardell, uh, who played Sarah in uh, Romero's finest work, uh, Day of the Dead. And uh, if you pre-order, and you're a U.S. customer, if you pre-order this book. Uh, you will get a poster included with your order. So, Bruce Davidson uh, was sent to Robert fucking Kelly in the X-Men movie. We watched him melt. That's right. And he was Willard, which I loved. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking. I don't know about audiobooks because I never do that, but the uh, the actual book itself is 656 pages. So like, it's a fucking epic that uh, Daniel Krauss took over after George Romero died. Uh, the poster, I saw it, and I was like, ah, just so cartoonish. And I put it up on the Talking Terror page, and I was like, this is the best I could come up with for the Living Dead poster that you can get as a pre-order. Is this Fortnite-looking thing? I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll just buy it after <laughs> it comes out. I don't need the poster. You know, I could just buy it. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it because it's George's last work. You know, I mean, I know he didn't write the whole thing. Daniel Krauss had to take over, but it's his last piece. So I think it's going to be an important book, you know, for any Romero fan like myself to have. But, yeah, the audiobook being narrated by Laurie Cardell is pretty great, too. I know that the Dean's a huge fan of Day of the Dead, you know, and I think it's a good one. Not the greatest. It's Romero's finest work. Really I don't think so in his uh, complete oeuvre. I mean, if we're talking about greatest work ever, um, 
I can't say that. I would say Creepshow is probably his greatest work. But in the Dead, uh, the Dead series, yeah, I, I definitely have to go with Dawn of the Dead. But Day of the Dead is pretty close, pretty good. Oh, Dawn of the Dead is the most overrated dead. movie in the entire genre. We're not going there. That's because we know the remake is better. <laughs> also, in the world of George Romero, the amusement park, and we talked about this on the show before, but uh, his early film, The Amusement yeah. Park, is getting a release. Uh, a batch of screenshots, a batch of screenshots hit the web, and while there's no official release date, uh, the distribution rights have been picked up uh, by a big uh, genre art house uh, genre distribution studio called Yellow Bell Pictures. And they will be having more information forthcoming on their release plans in the near future. But uh, the amusement park, uh, for those of you Romero people out there, you will get a chance to see the amusement park. So yeah, that's an automatic purchase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a completed film. It was uh, a PSA that he actually did back in the early 70s, 73, I want to say. Um, it's not a horror film. Uh, it's actually uh, about an old man that goes to an amusement park, and he's besieged by younger hippies and bikers and things of that nature. Uh, Lincoln Maisel uh, from Martin, who played Kuda, and uh, Martin plays the old man. So it, it's not a horror film. It's a PSA about uh, ageism. So it's oh. going to be interesting. Are they, are, are they smoking those marijuana cigarettes? Oh, I'm sure it's going to be in there. I mean, he did it for a Lutheran <laughs> church. So I'm sure it's going to be in there at some point, the, the <laughs> marijuana reaper cigarettes. But it's about ages. You know, it's about uh, the old being mistreated by the young. Um, you know, and his, uh, his wife, uh, Suzanne Desroche Romero, said that it's his most terrifying film to date. I don't think so. But I think it's going to be fun to see uh, a lost work, you know, from Romero and what he would do for a Withering Church. I mean, there's so many projects that he did uh, that have gone unreleased, uh, like his documentary for O.J., uh, Juice on the Loose, that I'd love to see, but has since never been available <laughs> on DVD or VHS. So he, the OJ. Yeah, he did that back in the 70s. OJ. <laughs> Juice on the Loose. I can see it. Yeah, he's OJ. Literally <laughs> called Juice on the Loose. And then, of course, his Mr. Rogers <laughs> episode, where Mr. Rogers gets to talk like him. <laughs> so, I'd love to see those two get released, but... Uh, you know, that's to say. But Yellow Veil, very cool if they picked that up and they're going to move on with it. All right, Dean, so what's next? Other uh, classic directors, Alfred Hitchcock's classic collection is getting a 4K uh, Blu-ray release uh, with uh, features of The Birds, Vertigo, Rear Window, and what they're saying is an uncut version of Psycho. Uh, I have not been able to find out what is uncut from Psycho because they say that, uh, you know, Hitchcock was meticulous in, in putting that together. Um, the release date for this 4K Blu-ray collection has yet to be announced, but uh, details on release date and artwork will be coming soon, so if you wanted to add some Hitchcock to your collections, if you still acquire uh, mm. tangible media, uh, you will have the opportunity to do so. <laughs> That is cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have a 4K, you know, um, a player and a TV, I mean, it's. Well, it's I, mean, I know 4K. that's the way the thinking moves to it. He said it's Blu-ray as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big Hitchcock fan. Uh, he did a couple films that I really do enjoy, but at the same time, I don't know if I would really appreciate those films getting transferred to 4K. 
I don't know. I just I think it takes away some of the grit from the actual film. And if you make it too pristine and too crisp, I think you lose out on something there. I mean, I've said that a lot about other movies like Evil Dead and Halloween, um, Night of the Living Dead. I mean, when you move these films over to like a 4K resolution, it's it's just something so too clear and too fake about it. It loses and a lot of that. Unfortunately, uh, too, sometimes you end up getting. Um, like uh, almost like a streaky effect over certain yeah. mm-hmm. light sources and stuff as well. So yeah, it almost it almost like degrades the picture. You know, as much as it might help for certain shots, other shots kind of have that like motion blur and shit. Yeah. Oh man, because I was I, just, I was thinking on, on the flip side, it'd be like I was thinking it'd be extra cool if like they actually did a 4K for Psycho, just because Psycho already has a lot of shots where it seems like a lot of stuff is floating in. the the screen and stuff like that. And 4K seems to really add to that. So I was thinking maybe it would have helped add some depth to Psycho at least. But okay, yeah, the ghoul has a good point too. Yeah, it's, it's possible. You know, I mean, I, I think these movies are better left untouched. You know, I mean, it's, there's some movies I definitely like think could be improved. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some movies Sorry, that definitely be improved Cheap by shot. the process. That's there. okay. It's fine. I don't. I go in stride. <laughs> But, I mean, there's plenty of movies that I've seen, like Black Christmas and Prom Night and other movies that have been vastly improved by uh, Blu-ray transfers. Um, but just some movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like uh, Psycho, or Frenzy, or Rope, where I feel like it is, you don't need to touch it. It's fine the way it is. You know, the, the picture quality is just fantastic. You don't really need to upgrade it. Yeah, agreed, because there are times where I've, like, watched, you know, quote-unquote, restored versions of old movies. I'm like, man, this is worse than my fucking VHS. You know, they fucking butchered it. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah, it's just that, I mean, maybe it's my own personal, you know, memories of it or a desire to kind of revisit that. But there are some of these films, especially these movies from, like, the 80s, that I would give nothing mm-hmm. to watch them on, like, a VHS and, like, just an old old style television just to get like that, yeah. that magic mm-hmm. feeling back of like, you know, like a, a, a of a imperfect picture. Oh, I quickly agree with that. And I think a lot of uh, movies that uh, would be improved by just being on VHS uh, and nostalgia true. I mean, I, I, I love the tracking aspect of it. You know, you got to get that picture just right. <laughs> you know, some of the grain, you could tell where somebody paused a bunch of times, especially during a Teddy sequence. Oh, it's like, oh man, yeah. look at this fucking tape quality. <laughs> Just deteriorated real I remember, quick. I remember my first VCR with auto tracking. I thought that shit was like magic, man. I was like, oh, I know. yeah, I don't got to hit no buttons. I don't got to do shit. That fucking thing's doing it all on its own. Oh, beautiful. I remember back in the day, my grandfather had one. I thought it was like the greatest fucking invention ever. I, was like, I could just fucking sit here and we're going to press the button up or down numerous times. This is fantastic. It's like new technology. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dean, so what's next? It's been just about a year since uh, the Walking Dead comics have uh, come to an end. Uh, mm-hmm. They were True. Uh, you know, wrapped up. But I have read that there is going to be a one-off issue uh, that's going to be called Negan Lives, uh, it yep. is being written uh, as a shop <laughs> only... something else. <laughs> no, a shop, it's going to be for only... It's a shop exclusive 
and 100% of all revenue is going to the shops and that this issue was written and created specifically uh, for all of the shops out there to have something exciting to sell while everything is still under lockdown and starting to shut back down again. So uh, that's a very, very, very generous, generous, generous gesture, in my opinion, uh, to create like a whole new issue uh, just to help comic shops. So uh, that will be coming out. Oh, do you know if Kirkman did, was working on this? Do you know if Kirkman yeah, no, wrote he, this? No, it's, it's all him. Yes, it's all, it's all him. It's all Kirkman. Oh, okay. Yeah, seriously, man, that is awesome. Yeah. That would be worth picking up just to help the shops. Because they're, they're, yeah. you know, they're just dwindling. They're going down. You know, and, they were hurting uh, hate to see prior the to this kind of thing. You know, they're the oh, kind yeah. of business yeah. that yeah. this kind of shit really fucking hits really, really hard. Yeah, but, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is, is a uh, – you know, this is strictly this is all Robert Kirkman, and it's a it's a one shot deal to help out the comic shop. So I think that's pretty awesome for him to go ahead and and do that. Yeah, I might yeah, have to man, pick up I that issue that. just to help the shops out. <laughs> you know, I think it'd be worth it. All right. Uh, so what do we have next, Dean? Uh, the uh, Stranger Things. You know, we we still don't know when we're going to get to see uh, the next season of Stranger Things. Uh, but what you will get a chance to see probably before we see that is uh, a new comic uh, series uh, for Stranger Things. Uh, apparently, if you think back to season three, we learned that Dustin over the uh, over the summer had gone away to science camp where he met his long-term girlfriend, Susie. And we know that they, they blessed us with their vocal stylings of the never-ending story theme song uh, in the final episode yeah. of season three. Uh, <laughs> but there's going to be <laughs> he never issue number one, <laughs> issue number one coming September 30th, uh, there's going to be a four-issue series uh, that's called Stranger Things Science Camp, and it's going to be strictly about an adventure that Dustin gets into in between, and this story takes place in between season two and three. Uh, and it's going to be a Dustin solo adventure in comic book form. And if this is your kind of uh, reading material and makes you excited, you should look for the first issue on September 30th. Yeah, and they have some cool covers. I saw the covers um, when I posted on the Talking Terror Facebook page. Uh, it looks like they're going more of a horror route, which I do like. More of like a slasher vibe for one of the covers and uh, investigating this camp and what goes on. So it could be a lot of fun. Um, you know, never running story excluded because that sucks. But uh, yeah, everything else is cool. <laughs> Fucking movie rules, dude. You just you're not, you had no childhood. Fucking bored old man. You're like, you're like Ben. You're like Benjamin fucking Button. Except you're like the old man. Yeah. yeah. Fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible movie. I mean, it's, I have my opinion. Oh, I go it's suck a, a dick. It's not a horrible movie. You're a horrible. Hey, listen, movie. it's not my birthday. <laughs> so I'm not going to be doing that. Um, but, you know, let's queue up another no, viewing sorry. of Dr. Giggles. Yes, let's do that. Larry Drake owns in that movie. That movie fucking slaps. Classic. I'll watch that movie. I love that movie. Underrated. <laughs> it's awesome. It is. It's so fucking good. I love Dr. Giggles. Never ending story. It felt like a never ending fucking movie. So, appropriate title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love watching the whole time. My favorite part of the movie. 
fucking horse around. <laughs> Great. I wish I could have clapped. Die the swamps of sadness, okay? Have respect. It was a swamp of happiness for me. I just loved it. <laughs> All five seconds again. Kevin that Smith. Horse. Kevin Smith <laughs> says that uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music is, and I quote, fucking wonderful. Nice. So uh, Kevin Smith apparently has gotten an opportunity to, to see Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, and he is super stoked, super stoked to tell us that it is fucking wonderful. Um, I don't know if I put any stock in what anybody says. Um, I am looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see what happens, and I'll be looking forward to forming my own opinion about it when the time comes. Bill and Ted face me. Oh, he's one of those yeah, guys that generally take sure. his opinions. Smith always really <laughs> has pretty good opinions about that. And we know Aww. we're all going to see it when it comes out. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I mean, know one hundred percent. I'm gonna see it. Um, I well, Kevin I guess I, I guess do, that that's I do, actually. I do, but I don't know if I could say I trust his opinion on stuff. I mean, you know, listening to some of his movie reviews, it, it can be downright <laughs> hilarious sometimes. Him crying over Endgame is some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I but I got it why he did. But at the same time, Bill and Ted face the music. I think we're all gonna go see it. You know, it doesn't matter if somebody says the movie sucks or rules. We're still going to see it. It's fucking Bill and Ted. Whether it's going to be released digitally, which I think is the way to go, um, who knows? But I know that they're still planning for a September release. So, I think that's how Smith should review movies from now on. They should review. You should base his review on how many times a film makes him cry. You know, it can be like, instead of like two thumbs up, it's like fucking Kevin Smith cried like 15 times throughout the movie. You know, we'll figure out how many minutes of fucking total movie time did he actually cry during. I don't know, he <laughs> cries a lot, though. So. Exactly. <laughs> but that, that's why you base the movie quality on it, man. You know, if that fucker had him crying the entire time, you know that's some good shit right there. Oh, man, this movie's got 15 Kevin Smith crying faces. It's like, gotta go see that. <laughs> This movie only got five. Holy it's not going to be that good. Fuck, it's a modern-day Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> See how many times he cried? That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Dean. What's next? Kevin Smith also has been talking up one oh, of his next okay. projects, which is uh, going to be called Moose Jaws, uh, which is going to essentially be the same thing as Jaws, but with a moose. Uh, including characters based <laughs> characters based on Brody Quinsilver. Um he says that he wants uh, Guy Lapointe who is a character in Tuscan Yoga Hosers I think mm-hmm. to be the Quint like yep. character um, and so on and so forth and uh, you know he's hoping for Johnny Depp and if not Johnny Depp then he says Nicolas Cage will be a, a fine substitute and he is hoping to <clears throat> make this uh, in partnership with Shudder, and have it be a Shudder release. So, you know, That'd as always, Kevin Smith talking about many different projects uh, that he has in the in the works. But uh, Moose Jaws. <laughs> and he also said that Jane Silent Bob will not be in this movie. No, no, no. We know. Originally, Jane Silent Bob were going to be in it, but then he removed them from it. Right. It's interesting to see him tickling the balls of the horror genre again. Yeah, and he's capable. I mean, like I said, Red State is a great fucking movie, 
And I did like Tusk for as weird as it was. I thought it was a fun, offbeat horror film. Fucking weird. That's for sure. <laughs> which one? <laughs> oh, it was weird, but it was fun. In like one sentence, just so I can refresh my memory, which is the one that was Red State? Was that the one with like the religious cult? Yes. Yeah, it was basically right. Waco. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, that one I saw. That one I saw. Uh, but I didn't yeah, see. Um, did I didn't see Tusk. Show. To know you fucking we did it for the show, things, man. Yes, we did it. For, <laughs> we did it on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered Red State. Hmm. Well, well back, but yeah, we covered. The, it. Not in the mo- but it's in the most recent, in this latest batch of episodes, we did cover it. I believe so. Yeah, the new in the, the new season. format. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, but the yeah. new format is like over three years already. So you know. Okay, so don't three years that. ago we covered the fucking movie. Okay, so take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Sure. Got anything else seen or what? Uh, let's see. What do we have? Mm. In Search of Darkness, uh, a, a, a documentary on '80s horror, yes, which. Wife. Uh, has come up on our show many, many times, uh, which has mm-hmm. just an awesomely ass-kicking trailer uh, that's been out for a very long time that totally captures the glory of 80s horror, uh, is finally, uh, for those of us with a subscription, uh, going to give us an opportunity to see it when it gets released into the Shutter catalog on July 30th. So in 29 more days, uh, In Search of Darkness will hit Shutter. Uh, it just, it looks like an absolute blast. I just fucking love the trailer, and I can't wait to see it. So July 30th, unless you want to spend like the $30 to rent it and stream it, uh, you can wait for Shutter, and Take there that you pot go. Off. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, someone's tea's ready. It was a faucet. Tea's okay. ready. Why is it faucet um, stream at you, man? That's, you know, why can't I send it for you? They're faucet stream. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that documentary is four and a half hours, so it's an investment, but I think it's going to be a fun one. It needs to be well worth, you know, waiting for if you have Shutter to see. Yeah, man. Uh, okay, Dean, what else? And then finally, uh, to close it out for the evening, uh, Bruce Campbell uh, speaking on some podcast. With just what the fuck is that noise? What noise? <laughs> I don't know. Talking, and I'm hearing somebody like rubbing their fucking phone against their asshole. Okay. Anyway, I, moving I, on. Uh, speaking on some podcast, said that uh, coming soon, uh, hopefully next year, there is going to be yet another Evil Dead video game uh, for a 2021 release. He says that this is the one that is going to finally capture all of the glory of Evil Dead in a video game. Uh, he said the company behind it is full bore, full steam ahead, and that he has been doing voice work for it and all of this, and you should look forward to an Evil Dead video game sometime in 2021. Hope it's better than Excellent. Pistol Broomstick. <laughs> yeah, you know. Regeneration was good. I like Regeneration. That was a good follow-up. But that was a lot more fun than uh, Pistol Broomstick. Being completely disappointed. Hell of the King for PS1. Ouch. Yeah, that was horrible. Ouch, ouch, That's just garbage. One of the worst games I've ever played. I remember being so excited to play that. I rented from Blockbuster. It was terrible. 
real quick, because I know we've mentioned this this, this director before, uh, specifically, I guess, me and Monkey always end up talking about it. I just have to ask. It kind of goes with what's going on with the times right now. Has anybody in here ever seen Coonskin from Ralph Bakshi? Yes, I have. No. <laughs> I highly recommend checking this movie out. It is an animated feature in the, you know, in the same vein of like Fritz the Cat and stuff like that. Totally not safe for children, hey, good looking. but a fan, a fantastic little piece of film. That is for fucking shit sure. Unfortunately, I, I do own it on the Xbox, but it is not a Movies Anywhere movie, uh, Dean, so sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I'll find a way. And speaking of other directors that we have talked about often on the show, uh, there's a very famous director named Sylvester Stallone, who recently yeah. has been talking about who? how uh, The Last Blood, uh, the most recent and supposedly final Rambo entry, uh, is available on streaming services. The extended version uh, that was not released theatrically in the United States, it's 12 to 15 minutes longer, uh, is now on Prime and Apple TV and wherever it's streaming, so you can see the long version if you wanted to. And uh, in his conversation that he was having on his social media pages, someone asked him if they were going to get lucky and see a director's cut of Rocky Balboa, to which he said no, but he did say that he is hard at work on a director's cut of Rocky Four. So, uh, you know, if that is something that excites you, uh, Sylvester Stallone himself is working on a director's cut of Rocky Four, uh, which is very, very exciting news. Um, Especially given okay. the fact that uh, Creed Two, which by no means uh, was a perfect movie, uh, did uh, the unthinkable, which was it actually makes Rocky Four uh, seem like a better movie because of the storyline in Creed Two. So look forward to a, a, a director's cut of Rocky Four. Like, also, super Rocky, quick. Speaking Rocky of Four Sylvester is like Stallone, a montage. That's all the movie is. Like, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is it that yeah, like, it's like, to it? It's like four long montages <laughs> with a couple of couple of lines of dialogue <laughs> in, in between. And that's it. Yeah. But speaking of Stallone, kind of, sorta, but not really. All right. Is there's some news about Judge Dredd on Talking Terror page, which I want to talk about. Super quick. Is that in London they are working on a Judge Dredd. Ex- Experience. It's going to be called Judge Dread Uprising, a live experience, okay? And it's going to be a thing of, it's a little part of London. They're going to sit there and turn it into a, a Judge Dread city block. You're going to get dropped in there for 150 minutes, and in that time, they're going to have zones of physical activity going on, um, you know, mental tests, uh full-on theater and laser tag all going on in a combat zone type experience in this big Judge Dredd setting. And it just sounds cool as fuck. <laughs> it does. Immersive. Unfortunately, it's only in London. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, that's the exciting thing uh, that they're doing. I wish they would bring that to the U.S. And maybe they will. I mean, maybe they will bring that over to the States mm-hmm. one of these days. But, uh, all right. So, We've that was it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dean, it's your pick tonight, House from 1985, directed by Steve Miner. Uh, Why don't you get us into the movie? It is my pick tonight, and we do have House, and it was directed by Steve Miner, as you were so kind to point out to our loyal audience. Uh, But we, yes, we have House uh, from, uh, I see conflicting reports, 
uh, of whether it's from 1985 or 1986, to be honest. Um, True. my one of my sources says release date was March second, nineteen eighty six. So I'm going to say House from nineteen eighty six, directed by Steve Miner, uh, produced by uh, Sean Cunningham of Friday the Thirteenth fame, uh, starring William Cat, the greatest American hero, uh, George Wendt, uh, who uh, is maybe uh, huh? Where'd who go? Where'd he go? George. Who? George. George? Where everybody knows your name. Yeah. That's where he went. He went where <laughs> everyone knows your name. Oh. <laughs> uh, George Went, who uh, has, you know, played uh, arguably one of the most recognizable and beloved sitcom characters of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, in this film, uh, we have a, a, a troubled writer. Uh, and Vietnam vet, uh, who is also a novelist, uh, who returns to the home that he grew up in. Uh, and and he, well, he never had time for a wife. Well, she left him because uh, he maybe didn't have time in their relationship. Uh, but his wife has left him. Uh, their son has mysteriously disappeared without a trace. And he has been tasked with writing another novel, but this one he wants to make autobiographical and talk about his experiences in the Vietnam War. Lo and behold, uh, he returns to uh, the house that he grew up and discovers uh, that it is tremendously haunted, um, and he needs to figure out why this haunting is taking place and where it comes from, and what's behind it. And, uh, you know, there we have the, the basis for House from 1986. So what did you think of it, Dean? Uh, the House is, you know, uh, this is one of those from the 80s when I was a kid and saw it um, that I also haven't seen. And it's, 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 I would bet at least like 30 years since I've seen it. But this is one that I saw so many times when I was a kid and I have such fond memories of it. And it was like, like a real strong trip down memory lane. Uh, I had not forgotten completely, uh, but had forgotten about all of the different ghouls and creatures. And when things would start to happen, uh, then my memory would become refreshed. I'd be like, Oh, I remember this now. Um, so it was an enjoyable experience for me. Uh, you know, I can see, uh, how some might look at this and, and see it as as dated and surprisingly to me now watching it uh, it having an R rating uh, it strikes me as something that doesn't necessarily need an, an R rating and I was doing a lot of reading about it this week and had saw, saw it billed in many places as being like an entry level horror film or uh, you know one yeah. for a younger audience which I totally fucking get completely um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I had I had a I I had a, a lot of fun revisiting this one, and it's been a really long time, and I'm I'm glad I made this. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, cool. What do you think about House? Uh, I mean, listen, you know, this is one of those films that, like, I've had on DVD. I have a two disc set. Um, that I realized that even though I unwrapped and opened it, I've actually never pulled the DVDs out of that case. So I continued that. <laughs> I left them in there movie is on prime 
Um, yeah, you know what? This is one of those that every time I think that I've seen it, I realize that, you know what, I don't think I've ever seen this film in its entirety until this viewing. Um, so much of it, I just completely had no recollection of uh, until literally the very end. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this part. Uh, I think I've seen the sequel more. And, again, Oof. even that was never <laughs> in its entirety. It was always like, catch a little bit here, catch a little bit there. It was always on, like, HBO or something in the early 90s. Well, there's uh, a, I remember when you're right. You're right. Got it. The reason I'm going to jump in right there real quick. Uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, these well, rules do. don't apply... Uh, these rules don't apply in the modern age, but in the 80s and the 90s, uh, you know, before there were like a million cable channels when there was literally just like HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, and there was then also like the movie channel, which like I never had. Like I knew there was like TMC. Uh, but anyway, uh, in, the old, in those days, uh, those channels would not show rated R films before 8 p.m. House 2 was rated PG-13, and there was a period of time when that shit was on all the fucking time, like all fucking day. Uh, I have seen House 2 way more times than I've seen House, strictly on the fact that it was on all the time during the day, and, you know, not one of three channels showing R-rated movies after 8 o'clock. So uh, I think that's the reasoning for that. Ghoul. Uh, yeah, no, and again, I, you know, the reason why I, I'll always remember House 2 is the reason I even knew about House 2 was because of Friday the 13th Part 7 with uh, Laura Park Lincoln. I knew that they had, you know, they used her in House 2, and that's why they brought her over for uh, for Friday the 13th Part 7, the new blood. So there you have that. Yeah. But, again, House, it was all right. It was entertaining. Uh, that's, that's where I'll leave it. All right. Monkey, what would you think about House? Oh, yeah. Again, I grew up watching this movie just like everyone else in the room tonight. Um, you know, it's a it's a fun little horror movie. It's definitely, you know, I definitely consider this entry-level horror. Um, but also, I think this is one of those movies where you really have to grow up with it to really, really like it. <laughs> just because some of the effects are fun, some of the effects are really bad, then... You know, if we can even call them sets are atrocious, but, you know, yeah, looking at you, Vietnam flashback. Um, but, you know, it's still fun. It's quirky, you know, and it's a really good in- introductory piece to get your kids into horror. King, what do you think of this bad boy? Yeah, I agree all around. It's a great introductory movie for not just kids, but for anybody. Uh, that's unsure about what to watch in terms of horror movies. I think House is a great opportunity because it's funny, it's scary at points, it's got a great location as far as sets go, as this house. Um, William Cat does a great job as Roger, you know, just frantically running around this house with all these creatures and not knowing why they're there, dealing with the fact that his son disappeared in the pool and he's just unable to convince anybody that's actually what happened. Um, and having this fraught relationship with his ex-wife, who still cares about him. It's not like they're bitter toward each other. They still care about each other. It's just that they're at different points in their life, with Roger wanting to write this book that's autobiographical about his time in Vietnam and also dealing with his son's disappearance. So, you know, it's got a good story to it, but, yeah, it's got hokey effects for 85, 86. But overall, it's an enjoyable film. I've watched it much more than the sequels. Like, House 2, Second Story, it's just way over the top, you know, with this comedy. Like, it knows what it is. And then you get the House 3, the horror show with Lance Henriksen, and then House 4, Which, and it's just, it, it just does. 
Yeah. I love the horror show. Okay, and that's one yeah, of those where, like, mo- most people don't even know that it's related to the House series. They kind of pulled it from mm-hmm. that because it was just so not in tone. But, God, I remember seeing the uh, the, the, the stills of that in the previews on in Fangoria magazine and being like, holy cow, I cannot wait to go see this in theaters. Got it. Got to see it in the movie theaters. And, you know, at the time I was slightly disappointed with the film because of how gory they made everything seem. But then when you see it in action, it just doesn't feel as messy um, as the still shots made it seem. But still, you know, over the years, I've, uh, I've grown, I have a fondness for it now. And I had no idea at the time, yeah. again, that it was a house movie. And Kane Hodder did stunts in both. He did stunts for this movie, and he also did it for House 3. So tying it back in with and- Kane. And, man, I got to give it to William Cat, man. He got in fucking shape for this movie. It's like, you know, because, again, we greatest were making American all the jokes hero. about Greatest American Hero. <laughs> yeah, but when you, go, when you go back and watch Greatest American Hero, he wasn't built like he was for this movie. So, you know, he actually worked out for this movie. <laughs> well, he had to wear those deep Vs, man. He had, like, that yeah. super deep V fucking shirt he had to show off his chest with. <laughs> you know? That yeah, impressed the I felt so he was also, with that plunging net like a line. <laughs> William Cat was also uh, seriously, seriously considered uh, for the role of Luke Skywalker for Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, that ultimately oh, really? went to Mark Hamill. Uh, in fact, they say that footage of his auditions has been featured in many different Star Wars documentaries. Like he was like seriously, seriously considered. He didn't just audition for it, but he was like in the running, like the legit running for the role. Huh? I, I think he could, I think he could have pulled. I think he could have pulled it off, man. <laughs> Possibly. I do like William Cat. I mean, I love him in Carrie, and I do love him here. You know, in House. Um, but when you get into the movie, seeing this large Victorian-style house in the middle of a quiet neighborhood, and you have the grocery boy coming to uh, deliver groceries to Mrs. Hooper. I love how the fact that they give you a scale of the house, you know, walking through to these yeah. different rooms and you get to see just how big it is, you know, how massive and how empty it is at the same time. I thought that was a great idea to do that uh, before you get to the reveal of Mrs. Hooper's body hanging in the uh, bedroom. <laughs> well, she was just hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I got to get on my best friend and go away. Vroom, <laughs> you know. But and then the, you know the diesel was just making jokes about how that's not context-free delivery. You know he's fucking it up. You know he's touching everything. <laughs> <laughs> and we from there we immediately get introduced to Roger Cobb, the nephew of Mrs. Hooper, uh, at the funeral. And I love the the old man talking about Mrs. Hooper going, oh no no, you know she was a very nice woman. She wasn't crazy. My wife on the other hand, totally crazy. <laughs> like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> man. <laughs> and one but, of the more yeah, frightening things in this movie is like that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, uh, Mikey. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say. Then we cut cut back to the house and stuff, and you know he's being shown around the house, you know, by the family attorney, you know, talking about you know he can get a lot of money on the market. And, stuff like that and he's like no I think I'm gonna stay and then he's like he just turns to like the the like prissiest queen you know immediately he's like well then fine you just stay in your house bitch 
because he felt like he could make a lot of money off of it. He had a lot of good ideas. He's like, you know, somebody could lease off the house and stay in in the the shed. Uh, That's actually Michael Enzin, who you might remember from Ghostbusters, as the manager of the Cedric Hotel. I knew he looked familiar, and I went to look him up. I'm watching him like, I know this fucking guy. And I meant to look it up while I was watching it, and then I didn't. (laughs) That's him from Ghostbusters, the very neurotic uh, manager. But, yeah, it's because it's a great space for him to kind of stay because he needs to write this book. And I love when he's at home after the book signing, when he goes and he takes the the frozen chicken dinner out of the freezer, just throws the entire box into it. What's that? And he's he's also the the he's in Pink Floyd's The Wall as the hotel manager. He's, he's also okay. freaking in License to Drive as the school teacher and the bus driver. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think it goes. I love License to Drive. This is much more than mine. We just watched <laughs> it just literally like a week ago. We watched it, man. <laughs> it's yeah, just with a, people. People's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely a bachelor throwing the whole box into the microwave <laughs> for 30 minutes. I mean, you don't put a frozen dinner. It's not like you only put it for 30 minutes. I was so bothered by that. I was like, take it out of the box, dude. Your whole problem's going to catch fire. No, no, he's got to, you know, just relax and not be able to write that first sentence. And I've been there as a writer. Writing that first sentence is the worst. But getting that call from his wife to check in on him again, like you see that the wife actually does care. You know, she's not a bitch. Like, she really does want him to be okay, and she's worried about his health. But, you know, he has to lie there and say, oh, I'm having a party. Ooh, hey. well, yeah. Oh, no. Hey, boy. Stop me right there. <laughs> Turn it down. <laughs> Guys, quiet it down. Quiet it down. We're having such a wild time here. <laughs> you know, and we're feeling, <laughs> yeah. you know, and now, now we start to feel sorry for him because we realize he really has no one else in his life. You know, and right now we just know it's just him and his ex-wife. Yeah, he's, he's got nobody. He's got no friends. He's got nobody to confide in, you know. And we see that he's dealing with this loss of his son, you know, that was at the house, playing with his toys. And the next second, he's gone, and he's in the pool, you know, drowning. The one thing that bothered me about that scene, though, is that you see a car speeding away. So you think maybe mm-hmm. he was kidnapped, maybe he was taken, but they never go back to it. They never really talk about that car ever again. So I thought missed opportunity or just kind of – them planting the idea that he could have been kidnapped and not in the pool. That's just a I red just, herring right now, man. That's all that is. Sorry, Google, what were you going to say? They, no, I was just going to say, though, like, yeah, even as a red herring, at the very least, they needed to, like, follow up with that just a little bit. Um, even as a red herring. Of, like, completely <laughs> dropping it. Yes, it's a red herring. Yeah. They never went back I to it, that, ever. I, I learned that from a pup named Scooby-Doo. Not with a bad. Oh, character Red Herring? What about Red Herring? And I, and I learned communism is a Red Herring in Clue. <laughs> I love Pickled Herring. Yes. Yeah, okay, loves but herring. yeah, I, but I, I agree. About they, they, and, How many variations But this was all. There? But this was all. Oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, really. But, but this was also a problem I had with the movie is. There was, like, a lot of story going on here of, you know, like like we like to say, you know, they just throw story and see what sticks. You know, they, they weren't really concise with how, what they really wanted to do with a story in this movie. Yeah. You know, they were just throwing things out there, seeing what worked. I mean, they're trying to be as concise as they can, 
you know, but at the same time, it's just one of those things that didn't really work for me. I was fine with the whole pool thing. He's trying to talk to the officers and tell them that he was in the pool and now he's not. And of course, they're thinking he's crazy. But I love when his aunt comes downstairs and she's just listening. And then the cop turns around to look at her and she gives him this gigantic fucking smile. Yeah, scary ass <laughs> fucking smile. <laughs> it's the house. <laughs> oh, don't listen you know, to her. She's just crazy. <laughs> you know what? What I didn't find all that impressive is the fact that they completely, one hundred percent, used the same score from Friday the Thirteenth. The musical oh, yeah. stage well, and everything. Did it. Just, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They did that in the sequel, also. Yeah, Harry Mantel did with the so, score to this. That's why it sounds so similar. It would have been nice, though, if he could have come up with something a little more original. I mean, it's just like, hey, I dialed it in. He's not original, though. Yeah, Harry Manfredini <laughs> is not that original. If you listen to any of his stuff after Friday 13th, it all sounds like Friday 13th. It's <laughs> not anything new. It just all sounds like Friday 13th. Like, it's like that was it for him. He made that score, and he's like, I'm just going to keep ripping myself off. Every movie I make afterwards, <laughs> all going to be Friday 13th. So he's not that original. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after this, we have uh, him walking around the house now that he owns it and everything's kind of quiet and he's by himself. Uh, when he goes into the room where his aunt hung himself, uh, herself, he sees her again saying, hey, listen, man, just go while you can. The house knows you and better off if you just fucking run. He's like, oh, shit, she's going to hang herself. And then she's gone. And he's like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, better get some writing done. Yeah. Not going to write itself, you know. Yeah. That was a full-floating yeah, like, like you. <laughs> but like you said, King, you know, she makes it clear. The house knows you. It knows all your secrets. You know, it's going to do everything it can to get to you like it got to me. Like <laughs> and it's like the, the, uh, the scene in the room when he opens up the closet and there's nothing there. And then when the clock gets to midnight and he opens it back up, there's this gigantic fucking Hellraiser type creature reaching out to him going, ah, and he's like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, you know, I got to shut this fucking door. I'd be like, yeah, I'm moving. That's it. Movie's over. <laughs> I'm going to a hotel. I would like to ask the monkey what his thoughts were on the creature effects in it. Oh, uh, they were fun. Um, but they were deliberately ripped off the Twilight Zone, I found out. Um, especially the um, the cor- the cornfields scene, they ripped off a lot of special effects ideas from that specific part. Um, but they were fun, uh, especially the creature in the closet. The other creatures going around, you Monty know, loves creatures were in the yeah. Also, I also like it when I have creatures up the chimney, but that's a completely different show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shoot. <laughs> but yeah, fun practical effects for its time. <laughs> and then the yeah, it wasn't the, bad. Uh, I thought, yeah, yeah. And then when we get you know later get to the other soldier, it's just he, like I found that his dimensions were fucking insane for creature design. But we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. Um, but it's, it's him discovering that there's these things in his house, and he wants to buy all the the cameras and everything that he can record it with. But I love his first interaction with George Went, playing his neighbor Harold. And when he's walking down the trash and he's got his super fucking long V-neck on, checking out the neighbor Tanya across the street, doing a little jog. And George walks up there and he's like, oh, hey, I guess you're uh, moving in next door, huh? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm moving in. And I like the solitude. And he's like, yeah, the woman that lived here before, straight up bitch. 
man, just so full of hate, and I hated her, and just, man, what a fucking nasty woman. Yeah, she was my aunt. Heart of gold, I tell you. Heart of gold, just a wonderful woman. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, th- th- those kinds of, co- in film in general, uh, like that style of comedic conversation yeah. is is really uh, some of my my favorite type of, of comedy. Uh, oh, I love that it, yeah. kind of that kind of switch. Um, I, I I just I just love conversations like that. That really it's like a it's a great comedy writing. Yeah, the Chevy Chase style yeah. of you know yeah, saying Chevy, something bad yeah. and automatically saying something really good. Yeah, like John Candy as well. You know, like we were saying earlier. You know, exact same style of just comedic acting. But yeah, you know, going on, <laughs> and then he you know pulls out his book to get signed, and it's just a bunch of loose pages in his pocket, apparently, because he just read it and worn <laughs> yeah. it out so much. Well, he also wears the same clothes like five days in a row for some reason. He's just addicted to that fucking jeans and long sleeve white shirt. Because in a couple of scenes... Like, it wasn't enough budget for the costume. Oh, come on. He could have brought some clothes from home. He had a couple of George Blazers at home from Cheers. He could have worn. Well, he was trying, well, to, you know, trying to separate himself from, from the Norm character in, in, in that situation. Well, well, he also didn't want to bounce William Cat with his fabulous costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like when he rolls out of the house in his fucking army costume. Yeah! After he fucking nailed the fucking door. Oh, hey, Harold. <laughs> Solitude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Got to get into that yeah. writing. But but then when he's wrote, like, this exact scene, he's out there with his dog shitting in his yard. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah I would yep. be like, dude, why is your dog shit in my fucking yard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was too awkward to go Not just only an asshole, but he just fucking lets himself in at one point to bring beers and spaghetti. He's just like, oh, hey, uh, it's midnight, so I thought, like, now would be a good time for me to come over with some food and beers. What? Like, you know, I'll be yeah, talking like, what the fuck in my house? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing in my house? It's the same thing when Tommy is swimming in his pool later. I was like, is everybody just going to fucking come over? <laughs> like, unannounced? Did this fucking hang out? Yes. Yes. In the 80s, this is what we did. In the 80s, we would just go over to our fucking celebrity, you know, people's houses, and we treated them like friends, you know? We just walked right on in. (laughs) Favorite author, favorite celebrity, didn't matter. Yeah, you just just walked in the door, man. It didn't matter. You just walked right in. Equal opportunity. Um, But what Monkey, what you had said earlier about the Vietnam flashback sequences, I didn't mind them very much. I mean, I thought, one, for story-wise, it added something to it, because you're getting to see him back in the jungle. Uh, I love Richard Mall, who played my favorite baby. bull character from Night Court. Yeah. Bull? <laughs> the bailiff. Bull, bull from Night Court. <laughs> the greatest yeah, fucking bailiff that they ever had. It wasn't the fact that they had what the Night Court. What it, was, what it was was the horrible set designs of where it just looked like someone just rolled AstroTurf all over everything and then they were like okay and now just throw some leaves on top of it and we're going to call it Vietnam okay yeah like I said I didn't mind it very much I mean like I said it just it did what it had to do I mean they put like you could, it looked like it was somebody's backyard obviously <laughs> but for storytelling wise I mean I thought that they did an okay job I mean this isn't a Vietnam movie but they are going to show you the flashbacks with Big Ben and with Roger in the shit with Big Ben being kind of a bully, but also at the same time, he just likes killing. Unlike Roger, who's kind of a pussy. 
Well, he wasn't a pussy. He was just the smarter one, man. When you're running point, when you're doing point, you know, you're supposed to be careful. You're supposed to be sneaky. You're out there looking for the other guys and making sure they don't find you. You're not supposed to be going, woohoo, Charlie. He <laughs> <laughs> was a fucking badass. He just wanted the waste fucking people. That's all. He just wanted the waste the enemy. I got it. The dude's also seven feet tall. He was going to fuck with that guy. Hmm. Right, hey, listen, man. That's kind of like how that. it was over there, though. You know, it was fucking kill or be killed, and you either yeah. fucking hit and mm-hmm. kept your head down and fucking made your fucking way back, or you fucking killed and did some fucked up shit. And you know, it had its fucking, uh, it had its effect on our on our fucking boys, man. You know, it's a yeah, yeah, representation but... of it, but it's not too far from fucking some of the real shit. Yeah. But then also throughout the flashback sequences, we're seeing his decline into insanity from being in the shit, like the ghoul just said. Like, I didn't take this as all supposed to be one day. I took it as, you know, this was all during their oh. tour of them going yeah. through shit. And it's, it's, you're seeing his gradual mental deterioration happening from constantly being yeah. in the shit. Yeah, and it's a great representation of that, and juxtaposed with the house. And him being stuck in this place with nobody around except himself, having to deal with these monsters all the time popping up. Um, but you have yeah, Harold after closet, he talks to monsters in his mind. Oh yeah, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> so different things. Roger, who kind of befriends Harold in a way when they're eating, he tells him about all this shit. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on in this house, and there's just things that I can't explain. So Harold's first reaction is to steal the phone book that Roger has and to call his ex-wife and say, hey, man, your dude's going crazy over here. You might want to come over and check on him. I'm just a friend, you know, but, yeah, you might want to bring your tail over here because dude's losing it. Yeah. Now he's going around, to, you know, taking liberty, calling call, call other Hollywood celebrities going, hey, just, you know, you know, I'm the guy that knows your guy. You know, maybe you might want to check on the guy. Maybe we can hang out and have a couple of beers and some Chinese food. Who knows? Can I come over? <laughs> yeah, I can bring beer. I got my little mini TV that we could watch. <laughs> but he, he's obviously showing concern for, for who he considers a friend. Um, but this is also when we have Roger walking back through the house and we have the gigantic swordfish on the wall. Starting and to iron a, a little bit. Operator. Well, yes. Yeah, we get that too. Real quick shot. I mean, there's a couple of moments where I saw that, but not just in the, the fish sequence. But again, I thought it was a cool effect, but at the same time, it's like, dude, just stab it. Why do you need to grab a shotgun? <laughs> just shoot it. Like, you just, you just grab a fucking knife and stab it, and then I'll end it. But he has to go grab the shotgun and be attacked Evil Dead style with all the gardening tools that are in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what this started reminding t- me of. At this ten years point. later, someone's gonna make this exact same thing, but make it sing, and then Redneck's gonna buy it all over the place because they want to sing and fish on their wall that moves just like this. <laughs> yeah, why not? What I called it the, the second it happened. I went, "Oh shit, it's Billy Bass." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he takes the shotgun and he blows the fish away, and then it slowly kind of stops, even though it's still alive. Clearly, um, and that's when Harold wakes up and hears a shotgun blast, and he's like, "Oh shit." Uh, there's gunfire. Uh, police? Uh, suicide attempt? Maybe? <laughs> you know. And holy shit, I thought the police in my city were quick. 
Like, he didn't even hang up the phone, and they're coming around the corner with two fucking units. <laughs> ready to, to, you know, to come down on this. Um, but it's also in this sequence we get to see Sandy coming back, his ex-wife, in her purple dress looking <laughs> fine as shit. Kay Lenz looking especially hot in the sequence, you know, coming to check on her husband. You okay? When is it really her? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great gag. I have to admit it was a great gag because of the, the shotgun shells on the floor. And when she bends down to pick them up and she comes up like that fucking hag, it's like, oh, shit. And just laugh. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, George. <laughs> oh, shit. Scariest <laughs> fucking monster in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but he takes he dispatches her, hides her in the closet just in time for the cops to show up. Yeah, but he's trying to be smooth. No, no, he, he just sits on his porch. He, he, he sits on his porch and acts <sighs> like he's just cleaning his gun. <laughs> well, yeah, because he shoots the hag, but then it turns back into his wife, and he's like, "Holy shit! I just fucking murdered my ex-wife!" And it's out there on the porch. Harold's looking at it, but he can't see if there's a body on the porch. And yeah, he drags the body back, and he's like, "Well, hey." I'm just uh, cleaning my gun. What a great Saturday, huh, guys? <laughs> then we get visited by some of the cast of 21 Jump Street. And Creighton Duke from the final Friday, Jason Goes to Hell. That was the bounty hunter. Jason Voorhees is like a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fucking random, random stuff. That's a lot of fucking herring. <laughs> There's many preparations. <laughs> and I like the scene because it is tense. When the cops walk into the house and one cop's like, hey, uh, yeah, you're, you're uh, Roger Cobb. Uh, would you mind if I, oh, you want an autograph? No, I need to use the bathroom. No. <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, yes, yes. Come on in, come on in, come on in. I'm sorry. <laughs> And as the one cop uh, walks into the house, you have Harold running up going, oh, I don't mind if I uh, walk around too. Mind, guys? No, come on in. Like, what? Harold? For two seconds, can you just fuck off? Yeah, and then he's like, you guys want some coffee? He's like, Harold's like, yeah, coffee would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, you have the shotgun shells underneath the table. And he's like, oh, shit, I got to grab those. And Harold's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let me grab those. God damn it, Harold. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Nobody wants you here. <laughs> just go. <laughs> oh, Harold. And of course, the cops suspicious. Like, why are there fucking shells laying on the floor of your kitchen? Oh, I don't know how they got there, officer. Nobody wants to put them there. <laughs> what good's having a gun if you don't have ammo for it? <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> just. Just don't clean a loaded gun again. Okay, man. Okay, we're cool. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Power <laughs> and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he's a celebrity and they know who he is. So they're just going to leave him alone with a warning. Like, hey, man, you know, we're not going to be afraid to come back if there's any more trouble. You know, Harold, you're on point. Don't be afraid to call us. <laughs> you got it, guys. Anytime. <laughs> Can I hang out with you guys? <laughs> But I, I just love when they're weaving. Yeah. Go ahead, Will. No, I was going to say, I just wish this movie could figure out what it wants to do for sure. You know, like it's playing comedy oh, yeah. in yeah. some areas and it's playing serious in others. And I, the, the parts that I actually enjoyed the most are the serious parts. 
Um, the comedy yeah. I wasn't mm-hmm. finding very funny, you know. So if you're not going to go that route, you know, why why not just at least keep it serious and and do that? Um, I like the the play back and forth between him not knowing whether or not this was really like as an audience member. I like the play of not knowing whether or not that was really his wife, you know, sitting there right. trying to figure out like, is the house fucking with them or was that really her? You know, did the house turn her or what is it? You know, like how is this going to all end? Yeah. Um, you know, and then the other thing and the, the ghoul girl, you know, kind of made the reference because as soon as we finished watching house last night, we went to house two and, you know, for a movie called house, this house has no personality. In House 2, the, no. the house itself was like a castle made of fucking stone. It had, like, it had something, like, a, a look about it. It had its own personality. And this is just a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a house with creatures in it. That's all. It's like the house isn't a character, mm-hmm. really, yeah. like in House 2. It's a house with creatures in it. Mm-hmm. Well, but you also I made up a good point, Will, because because this was originally written to be a serious movie, and then another writer came in and then added funny scenes into it because the studio was pressuring them about being, well, you know, this was way too funny. serious. It wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, that's what I'm saying. Is that's why it yeah. feels all discombobulated is because it was two different people and two different layers to, to the cake. Because it was good to see Roger kind of losing his shit, where he just doesn't know what's going to happen next. And I love when he's walking the two cops out. He turns around and goes, where's my shotgun? And they're like, excuse me? He's like, my shotgun, it's missing. Oh, my God. And they're like, uh, you all right? He's like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So <laughs> this manic uh, Roger that we get, I liked. I like just how panicky he is and just trying to keep it together. And he has to find out where the fucking shotgun was. Well, he finds out where it went. Because the hag's back, and she's got the shotgun. <laughs> but, but that's no okay. Bullets. He can, but he can use the force, because he was almost Duke Skywalker. <laughs> so he's going to sit there and use a bunch of possessed tools to go, oh, go after a, her. Ass. What a different movie that would be with William Cat as fucking Luke Skywalker. <laughs> right? Definitely. I don't I know. Know. Like, holy I don't know. shit. Like, when you really think that through, it really would be something else. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, Mark Hamill had that, like, fresh-faced, like, wishy-washy look. And William Cat just, you know, and I know, obviously, he would have been much younger than he is here. But even knowing him from Greatest American Hero, like, I don't know. Like, I don't see wishy-washy about him, you know? He too, like, yeah, but, like but, I said, but, I, thought, I thought he was a fucking not necessarily, star, to be honest yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily wishy-washy, but, like, Greatest American Hero, it was just a couple years before this, like, 1982, like, going all the way yeah. back to yep. Star Wars released in 1977, we're talking getting filmed 1975, 1976. He's going to look tremendously younger than he did, uh, you know, in, in the early 80s. Um, and yeah. um, to the monkey's point, it wasn't the force. I mean, like, you know, even making a joke like that, it wasn't necessarily the force. It was just the fact that they were fucking alive and they were trying to kill him. So he just used that opportunity to swipe her with a shotgun and then have the tools take her head off. Actually, and of course, now he's got to bag everything up to a... Yeah. Not all that different from the 1980s because, duh, we actually do know him from Carrie, 1976. Yes. And this you know is very true, very all, true. He doesn't look all that different then than he does now. Well, he had shaggier hair. He had that 70s quaffed uh, blonde hair mm-hmm. in Carrie. You know, just, well, it's the 70s. But 
and, I, and I said at the top, I love him carry. I thought he was a fantastic choice to play the, the potential love interest for carrying that one. But uh, I just I love when after the body's been chopped up by all the tools, well, he's got to put it in plastic bags and then bury it to the hit of you're no good. I just love all of a sudden now we're getting this fucking hit 50 fucking soundtrack <laughs> as he's going through a montage. Did, I enjoyed Speaking of soundtracks here, real quick, I want to jump in of, and interject uh, yeah. since you bring up soundtracks. If none of you were aware, in 1982, William Cat as Billy Cat uh, released an album of soft rock music in 1982 called Secret Smiles. Uh, I believe I posted it to our group, and if you so wanted to hear these uh, you know, these musical, these, these wonderful musical selections, uh, and you want to be transported back to that very special time, uh, you, should take a, you should take a look. Well, he's not the only one. Josh Travolta book. had an album back in the 70s, and so did David Soul from Sarsky and Hutch. So it wasn't a thing, you know. I mean, a lot of those uh, teen stars, you know, thought that they could record music. But in-house, it's uh, 60s doo-wop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he's burying the, the body parts. And we see Tanya swimming in the pool looking fine and telling her one piece. Oh, hi. I just, you know, I used to come over here when your aunt lived here, and I used to swim all the time. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. I'm just, you know, burying something. Oh, is it a tree? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yep. Got a, got a tree <laughs> in the middle of the yard. Oh, that's fun. Anyway, how are you? Well, I'm good. And then the hand starts creeping out to grab his leg. And he has to keep stomping on his Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, yeah, any other time would be great. Just not now. She's like, oh, you're funny. I'll see you later. Like, and then he just starts going to fucking town on the body with the edge of the shovel. <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, nothing, yeah. nothing. See you later. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, then he has to sit there and decide to chop up the body to lots of burials. But then, yeah, not only is the neighbor annoying as fuck, then his dog's got to get on the shit, too. <laughs> Oh, and take the hand and run away with it, you fucking dog. <laughs> Runs away with the hand. And it's a very Evil Dead 2 style with this fucking hand. I loved it. Like when Tanya comes over with her son Robert to drop him off. And she's like, yeah, I'm going on a hot date. Would you mind babysitting my son Robert? Here's all his shit. See you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think she ever specified. Did she specify a hot date? Uh, because earlier... No. When she was talking to him in the yard, she was like, oh, I can tell when a man is busy and when a man wants fun. And she was being super suggestive and flirty. But when she comes over, she just talks about last-minute plans. She has plans. I have plans. I have plans. I don't think she specifies a hot date. No, because she said uh, specifically, I know when a man needs to work in and when a man wants to have fun. And she said she came over later with her kid and said, are you ready to have some fun? And he was like, sure. And then she said, here you go, and threw, threw her kid at him. With this scary, yeah, with this scary '80s haircut, like what the Ooh, fuck yeah. up was that I weird bowl like mullet. mullet style? It was like a weird bowl <laughs> mullet thing. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking it, on that one. It looked like I hate to bring it back up, but it looked like the same haircut from the singer that did the song for the Neverending Story. <laughs> hey, oh, maybe, <laughs> but before she leaves, you have the hand attached to Robert's back. And now it's like a race against time for Roger to get the hand yeah. off. And he rushes into the bathroom with this fucking crying fucking kid. Oh, one second. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the bathroom. It's all right. <laughs> and apparently his toilet is strong enough to flush an entire fucking hand down. I was like, man, that yeah. is one hell of a toilet that it could take an entire fucking dissected hand. 
Man, we need that great. here, okay? Because you know, some <laughs> yeah. kids in this house take these J. Somehow, these kids take dumps, man. That I just I don't understand how it exists inside of them. It's bigger than they are. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's trying to work on his story. The kids, you know, sitting around and playing with his toys. And again, I don't like kids. I hate them. I think they're fucking annoying as shit. I never want one of my own. But I felt bad for this kid. First of all, he's attacked by a fucking dissected hand. And then he's sitting there, and there's probably fucking ghosts hanging around him as it is. The kid just wants to fucking leave. And he's like, oh, what? Are you tired? Is that it? Yeah, you got sleepy eyes, don't you? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and sleep? And I'm going to go work on my book. And then the fucking kid goes okay. missing. He's like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. The house took the fucking kid. <laughs> yeah, but again, you already lost one kid in this house. And you're not gonna sit there and at least turn the you're not gonna at least turn the couch around so you're keeping an eye on the kid. It's like, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. So you're facing him the entire time. She like, left the kid with him. I mean, come on. You tell mm-hmm. me at this point nobody knows that this dude's kid's gone missing. Like it's, it seems yeah, to me like that would be pretty big fucking news. Maybe she just moved in. Who knows? Mm. But then again, she did work <laughs> friends with the aunt. So yeah, that no, that can't be it. Damn. <laughs> so. I guess, you know, she just didn't care. And she's just going to leave her kid because... Maybe the, she the next wanted thing you see of the to kid, lose the kid. Ooh, that could be it, too. Maybe she was tired of that kid, had to get rid of him. <laughs> but the next thing that you see the kid in, he's being abducted by fucking critters. These weird kitty fucking monsters. Damn Christ. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why the fuck is this? It? I mean, it's horrible fucking makeup. You know, and, and masking for these critters, but at the same time, yes, it's like, it is. This, kid, this kid is going through Vietnam. Like this is his Vietnam. <laughs> this fucking house. Like he is never gonna forget this shit. He's gonna wake up at fucking eighteen. Like remember that fucking house tried to kill me? Therapy. This kid's gonna be in therapy. <laughs> Being sucked no, up a fucking he, chimney. He, but yeah, going up the chimney, getting pulled all over the place. But he's laughing the entire time. It's like, kid, you little fucker, act. You could cry oh. when you were in the bathroom, but you can't cry now. <laughs> Come on, this kid had it easy, man. Fucking Carol Ann from Poltergeist got sucked into a fucking otherworldly dimension with the undead. Or whatever, <laughs> with the ghosts. Okay, this kid, nah, he yeah. it. He just got dragged around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he got dragged around a little bit. Yeah, that's true. That's the same, yeah. Because after he gets out of the chimney, he's fine. Let's go put him in the bathtub and fucking bathe the kid that you don't know. And just get them all clean you know, and shit. Why not? That ain't, fu- cause that ain't Again, fucking weird. Grown man right? bathing a small child that he fucking doesn't know. Oh, yeah. I'm yep. so glad yep. about the and only he, one. So I was like, dude, that's creepy. And you also lost your kid in water. Okay? So yeah. no water either. <laughs> well, let's just bathe this fucking kid and give him a nice little soak. And then he can be put in his pajamas so his mom can come pick him up. And She's like, yeah, great. I can just drop him off again sometime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you again, Robert. If I'm Robert, I'm getting your face going, never again, dude. Never come back Robert, to this house. Sh- show me on the doll where he touched you. <laughs> you gave me a really weird, awkward sponge bath. The no <laughs> Yeah, no shorts on. <laughs> Not in that bathtub. Sh- show me on the buzzword figure where the, where the weird, curly-haired man touched you. Cause <laughs> That's what that was. Holy shit. Yeah, it was Buzz Orphan. Correct. 
Fucking, I had that toy, dude. I told you the second I saw that shit, I was like, holy fuck. I remember having that guy. That was the guy who was like, there was plenty of them in stock. So like when a relative went to go get it, uh, yeah, He-Man toy, and like they could never get the one that you actually fucking wanted, you got Buzzor. I think I might have had like three of that fucking thing. <laughs> it was that um, man. <laughs> Well, he also has like a weird little like monster uh, creature that I have, like a little stuffed monster. I saw that he had. I had that when I was a kid. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't my pet monster. It was something else. I remember I had that. Um, but now we have Roger getting the help of Harold to go open that closet door again. And it's like, listen, there's something behind that fucking door. I'm going to prove it to you, but I need to fucking figure it out. And we're going to shoot it. So I'm going to give you this fucking gun, <laughs> the spear gun. You're going to fucking shoot it. I'm going to open the door. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. Whatever well, you say. He's talking about the giant okay. raccoon. He, see, he says it's a giant, <laughs> giant raccoon. That's how he gets him in there. He's like, you know, we, we got, I need your help getting this raccoon. So as soon as the door shows up, you shoot it <laughs> when I'm out of the way. <laughs> and then we're going to sit there and reel it in with this line. Okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite that because it was actually a gigantic fucking monster. <laughs> Shoot it, Harold. Shoot it. And I only have one. Well, well he told him to make sure he was out of the way, though, and he's fucking telling him to shoot it while he's, like, literally dancing back and forth in front of the guy. Jumping <laughs> all around like a maniac. Mm-hmm. And this leads fucking to Ralph, Roger getting Ralph sucked Hanley. into the door. <laughs> yeah. Roger getting sucked into the door and into the abyss, you know, where he wakes up, and all of a sudden he's in Vietnam having another flashback. Oh, with Ed Harris? Day. Mary Elizabeth Master and no, no. Well, not that abyss. <laughs> yeah. No, not that one. No, <laughs> this is a different one. Mm. This is where he wakes up in Vietnam and they're going on their mission to go out into the jungle. <laughs> Just mm. Big Ben and Roger. And Roger's all excited, not excited. He's upset about it. Big Ben's the one that's excited. He's like, come on, man. Yeah. Kill some fucking challenge, bro. Woo. He's like, yeah, dude, shut up. He's like, no, I mean, it's a trap, dude. We're going to get caught. <laughs> no. <laughs> and eventually cool. they do. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and they, seeing they, uh, they can get shot Yeah we'll get shot But then we also find out what happens later Because he says he gets shot And all he remembers is going You know uh, running away And going I'm going to go get help for you And then he sees what happens after he ran away Which he never knew about Until now Right he never knew that he was Taken by the, the VC But at the same time Big Ben told him To kill him He's like, dude, I'm not going to make it. Just fucking, like, I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. I'll go for help. You're my friend. I can't get Dude, seriously, just put the knife in his fucking throat. Dude's not making yeah. out of this. He's telling you to kill him. He's begging you to do it. Just fucking do it. Don't be a pussy. Just do what he tells you to do. Yeah. Because we see yeah, that he's he picked can... up by the VC and tortured for fucking days. Yeah, weeks. We found out. It was weeks. A week. Okay, it was weeks. Yeah. yeah. So he's tortured by the VC for fucking weeks. All because mm. he couldn't be killed by Roger. Because Roger wanted to be a close yeah. to I'm going to get help. Mm. Don't yeah, worry. But man, as if it never happens to you, man, I'll put the bullet right in your head. I won't even need to do that. Absolutely do it. I'll, I'll just still do it, you know? If I know I'm going to die, yes, do it. Like, if I know that I'm not going to be able to make it, just fucking kill me, dude. I'm not going to be like, yeah, go get help over here. I got a splinter. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pull out the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm, I'm keeping I'm keeping you in the uh, garage in the garden. 
I, that's already decided. <laughs> oh, I know. You already decided that. Even if I beg you to kill me, you're still going to keep me in the fucking garage. I'm not letting go of you. Please. Oh, I want a sweet death. <laughs> but but yeah, when Roger eventually carried, finds his way out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as he's being carried away by the VC, though, he's yelling, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to get you, you know, if we're letting this happen. You know, I'm never going to forget this. I'm, I'm going to get you. Yeah, and he doesn't because, as we find out through this movie, there is something about Big Ben that we're going to find out about. But after Roger emerges from the hole that he was in, we see Harold still there with a half bottle of fucking whiskey at his side because he can't believe what he just saw. Roger tells him that it was all a dream. Forget about it. You know, just go to sleep. And he realizes he has to go back in and figure out the end game of this whole thing. And that happens to be in the bathroom. Well, when he breaks the glass of the window that, of the mirror that's in the bathroom, it leads into yep. the abyss. So he's going to grab a rope, and he's going to go down there, and he's going to save his fucking son and end this whole thing. But unfortunately, a big fucking skull creature demon steals his shotgun before he can do anything. Fucking so badass. When that skull creature grabs his shotgun and flips it. Goddamn, that was so awesome. It's a stop, stop motion creature that was right there. <laughs> it, it was like, yeah, you know, it was, and you know, does that and drops him back into Vietnam again. <laughs> yeah, but 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 this time he found his son in a bamboo yeah. cage, and his son saying, "Hurry up, because he's coming back." Mm-hmm. And he's like, Who, well, who's, who's coming, coming back? back? He's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck that. Let's just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those moments where he finally grabs his son and he takes him out and they run to the water and then they emerge in the pool. Like, he takes so fucking long. I'm like, I know you got your son back and you're so happy, but get the fuck out of the pool. Yeah. <laughs> That's shit happens. Get out. <laughs> Give him a hug and then get out. Then you can fucking hug him all day if you want. Stop <laughs> flipping him in the air in the pool. Like, yeah, I happening. kept thinking the same thing as like, yeah, yeah, uh, dude, yeah. If I'm throwing you up in the air, I'm throwing you up out of the fucking pool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aim for the bush. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's um, <laughs> but at this point, when they get back into the house, when Roger goes to the door, we see the zombified Big Ben. Entering the house, I mean, it's a little hokey now, seeing the effects of the skull, of the uh, rib cage and shit like that. But it's an 18 foot tall, like an animatronic. I mean, a guy in a suit, I should say. So for that, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but it was also uh, puppeteered by 15 people at the same time too. You know, so hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll we'll take what we can get. You know, it, it was still, you know, I, I still like this effect. But yeah, you know, now it comes down to, you know. How the fuck do you take take care of a big ass a zombie soldier that is after your ass? Yeah, and that's what we find out is that he's after Roger because of what happened in Vietnam. You left me uh-huh. there to be tortured for weeks, and now I fucking took your son, and now I'm gonna fucking kill you. This is the end game, dude. Like this is it. Like I'm here for you now. So we're gonna have to run through and do this whole battle with you know guns and running through this house, which is constantly changing because they had that one moment where Roger runs, and then all of a sudden he's on a cliffside overlooking the fucking ocean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this house can change and do whatever it wants. And just when Big Ben thinks he has the upper hand, nope. Roger grabs a piece of rope, 
swinging Big Ben down to the rocks below. It's like, well, great, we're over. Man, good movie, right? We're <laughs> over. Done. Wow, what a great movie. No, wait, we're going to continue. Not quite We're at the not end. done yet? <laughs> <laughs> no. For some reason, he manages to appear again, grabbing at uh, Jimmy, the son, who came back into the house. But this is the part that really kind of annoyed me, because this is a moment for Roger where he pulls a Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 1. Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't believe in you. I don't believe in you anymore. You're just a ghost. I don't believe in you, and I'm taking away your power. You can't do anything to me or my son, Big Ben. Oh, no, no, don't say that. I could totally kill you. No, you can't. You can't do anything. <laughs> Here, I'm going to show you that you can't do anything. I'm going to take a grenade, and I'm going to shove it into your fucking stomach and run out of the house. No, no, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, big explosion. I just I couldn't believe they yeah. pulled the fucking name on the street. Oh, you're not afraid <laughs> anymore? That's what kills the evil? Like, oh, lazy. So lazy. <laughs> It's funny yeah, that you have Miner and uh, Cunningham uh, attached to this film, too, because uh, I feel like they, the uh, whoever the, the costume designers are, I feel like the people from Friday the 13th Part 7 borrowed a lot from Ben for the Jason character. Oh, they, yeah. They built him up for Part 7 there. Like, they just they oh, yeah, there's very definitely similar. a look. Mm-hmm. You know, with the tattered clothes and seeing the ribcage exposed and the bones... Especially in the boots, where you see the the foot bones sticking out. Yeah, definitely, I would say that that's definitely a copy. It's connected to the ankle bone. (laughs) But yeah, you know, the the house is blown up, and and then we conveniently have you know (laughs) the wife showing up at the very end. There she is. She wasn't able to make it, but somehow she was able to fly, you know, all the way across country or whatever to finally be there. (laughs) At least she's there. Yeah, just as the house is catching fire. Yes, she yes, she's there, you know, for an emotional moment. And then at the same time, because of who I am, I like to watch sequences of characters. Uh, seeing, Are you okay, man? You're like... What was that? Defra- you're defragmenting I, or something. It, yeah. I, I think it was you, Ghoul. No, it wasn't the Ghoul. Sound like a, somebody. Uh, someone started sounding like a silo from Battlestar. <laughs> was that the Dean? Are you all right? I'm just fine. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, wow, yeah, there's the a Dean. robot. There's a robot. <laughs> yep, Dean sounds like a robot. You sound like you're you using one of those, uh, like a throat box. Don't <laughs> <laughs> look at too many cigarettes. You sound like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Where are my cigarettes? <laughs> but, yeah, the, the cab tell, driver. Tell the secrets of the universe, Dean. <laughs> the cab driver okay, shows so up at the end that drops up Sandy. I could have sworn that's Essex Smith from Halloween Three, the guy that runs the gas station Halloween Three, the black guy. I can't find anything on the internet about that, but the guy looks so familiar. I was like, that's got to be the gas station attendant Wait, in Halloween which, Three. Which but guy are you talking about? The the cab driver <laughs> that pulls up with Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> I was. It's still going, the robot boys. I love it. Great way to close it out. Get me another pack of cigarettes. <laughs> anyway, like the monkey know. was saying, no, that's, a, that's a house from 1985, 86. 
depending on where you yeah. look at it. Uh, <laughs> so next week, uh, the pick is going to be mine. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about it because we've, we've done some things like fantasy lately, uh, Summer Camp Nightmare, the kind of a shoot horror. It was kind of horror adjacent. So I'm going to do my horror adjacent pick, and I'm going to go back to 1988. We're going to talk Heathers next week on the show. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. Which you could, which you could find on Shutter if you have it. Yeah, I can't wait to talk <laughs> about Heathers because it is horror adjacent, and I think it's a lot of fun. Right. I'm, I yeah, I'm done with that, man. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's on Shutter for you guys at home want to watch along, or you can find it in other places. I don't know if it's available on Tubi, but I know it's definitely available on Shutter. So stay tuned next week. How very of you to join us when we talk about Heather's. I'm uh, Christian <laughs> Slater, Winona Ryder. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Dean, okay. His hard drive's broken. <laughs> Sounds like a robot jerking off. Yeah, I, I had to, I had to dump him. So Dean, if you want to jump back on, you can. But I couldn't I couldn't listen to that anymore. Sorry, <laughs> couldn't listen to the helicopter ready to take off. All right. So uh, again, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and back to seeing you back here next week. Yeah, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror, and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I don't know if the Dean's going to be back, but apparently he took off in his chopper for whatever destination is next. <laughs> so hopefully he'll be back next week. <laughs> Did you kick me off? Yes, because you sounded like you were taking off in a helicopter. All right, fine. And even if I was taking off, who gives you the authority to just exit me from the show because I sound like I'm taking off in a helicopter? Because <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. All I could hear was the, the reporting motor of a motor. So I was like, call back in. I had to dump it, and I told you to call back in. Yeah, what if I kick you off of the show? You can. Feel free. Actually, I can't. You're the host. I can't can't do it. (laughs) No, I'm not. You can do it right now. You're in the studio. (laughs) Do it right now. I know I'm in the studio, but there's no X. You're the host, right? There's no X next to the host. No, I'm not the host. The ghoul's the host. So you can knock me out. Then I can. Fine. I'm the host. You're the host? Yes, you are. So. You, As your host, what I'm going to tell you about right now is to go to Etsy, okay? Ooh. Go to Bonfire Bee Designs, <laughs> all one word, and go buy yourself some handcrafted jewelry. She has been hand kicking ass and taking There is no hand sanitizer for sale at this present time. So we can't put it up if you want it. Just let us know. Uh, anyway, so go on there. Check it out. She's got all kinds of snakeskin jewelry, all kinds of things going on. Uh, it's some fantastic stuff. We just got back and went to Salem this past weekend for her handcrafted, handcrafted, handcrafted with a K. There's a W in there somewhere, too. Um, so, yes, we went to Salem this past weekend for her birthday, so she's got a whole bunch of stuff from that, too. So, it's going to be up there. Just go Etsy, all one word, Bonfire Bee Designs. Aside from that, stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. And as always, I'm your old pal, the King R. Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Talking Terror, on Facebook at Talking Terror. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Next week, we're talking about Heathers. Can't wait for you to join us. Good night, everybody. Peace.